Welcome to Eagles, Globes, and Anchors, the strategically-minded podcast of Marine Corps University. Today, we're discussing women, peace, and security. My guests today are Dr. Lauren McKenzie and Lieutenant Colonel Manuel Zepeda. Dr. McKenzie is the Marine Corps University's Professor of Cross-Cultural Competence. She became involved in the WPS effort in 2012 and currently co-chairs the MCU Women, Peace, and Security Community of Interest. Lieutenant Colonel Zepeda is an infantry officer by trade and the deputy director for the Krulak Center for Innovation and Future Warfare. He's the WPS point of contact for the Marine Corps. Dr. McKenzie, Lieutenant Colonel Zepeda, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. Yes, thanks for having us, and it's great to be here. Before we get into the issues of the day, can you all give our listeners some background on what WPS is? Dr. McKenzie, I know you've done a lot of good work in this uh, over the years, so bring the listeners up to speed. Sure, I'd be happy to. So from a military perspective, WPS is about recognizing the value that diverse perspectives can bring to operational effectiveness. But if you were to read the new WPS strategy, it takes that idea a little bit further. It asserts that WPS is really about empowering half the world's population as equal partners in both preventing and managing conflict while also recognizing the disproportionate impact of armed conflict on women. So I completely recognize that's a mouthful. WPS makes the most sense to me when I think about it in terms of its three main principles, which conveniently all begin with the letter P, and and that is participation, prevention, and perspective. So WPS is about meaningful participation of women, about women's role in conflict prevention and management, and also about the importance of of integrating a gender perspective into training and education. So some listeners um, might be saying to themselves, well, this is nothing new, right? Uh, And they'd be right. So the momentum for this work really arose decades ago um, with research by scholars like Valerie Hudson, who has tons of empirical evidence of the direct connection between the security of women and the security of states. And I'll say more about that a little bit later. But and there's been a lot of momentum since Hillary Clinton said these famous words in 1995 at the UN conference on women in Beijing. She said that women's rights are human rights. Then five years later, the United Nations Security Council Resolution 1325 uh, became the first global recognition of the disproportionate impact of conflict on women and their necessary role in preventing and managing it. From there, um, UN member states were called to take action on this through their national security planning. And more recently, this has all gained really high level visibility with the signing of the Women, Peace and Security Act, which became law under President Trump in 2017. The act not only acknowledges the fact that women and security are linked throughout the conflict spectrum, but it also calls on the U.S. to be global leaders in promoting women in conflict management and prevention. We have a a lot of work to do, a road ahead of us in terms of catching up uh, with the likes of our colleagues in Sweden um, and Australia and others, but, but we are making progress. So now fast forward from the signing of the law in 2017 to 2020, when the WPS strategy was released. And this is a whole of government strategy, um, which I think is is really smart. 
And it's not only a strategy, we also have an implementation plan. So for the Marine Corps, this means integrating WPS principles throughout the institution from policy to training and education. And now the last thing I'll say on this, because I know it it can all be, it's a lot and it can be confusing, is that the implementation plan has both domestic and international lines of effort. So for example, uh, we need to have both trained gender advisors for overseas operations, such as perhaps having a gender advisor in Afghanistan, as we've had in recent years. And we need a gender perspective in our recruitment efforts here at home so that the military looks a little bit more like the population it serves. So all this is to say that women, peace, and security is more than just, and if you could see me now, you'd see me holding up air quotes, just a woman's issue. But I'll leave it to Lieutenant Colonel Zepeda to say a little bit more about that. Great, thanks. It certainly sounds like a comprehensive vision, uh, and I'll be interested as we get into the discussion some more to look at the comprehensiveness of the approach that the Marine Corps is taking. And so, Lieutenant Colonel Zapata, this is now over to you. How did you get involved in the WPS effort uh, as an individual, but then also as the point of contact for the entire Marine Corps? Uh, what does that mean for the role that you're playing in how this service is implementing the requirements of the legislation? Well, thank you for the question. I think, first off, I'll, I'll dovetail off a little bit of what uh, Dr. McSinsey just mentioned. When we consider the ramifications and the outlook of WPS. Realistically, we have done uh, WPS and maybe not realized it. For example, I was a company com- infantry company commander in combat in Afghanistan, and I had uh, a female engagement team that came to me. So I was one of the first units, uh, not the very first, but one of the first units that had uh, some of the FET teams involved. And it was a very kinetic environment. Uh, I did not realize it at that moment, but including a gender aspect into the combat operations is in line with what WPS purports to do here. So the consideration from a cultural perspective during that deployment was that I could not have males interacting with the local female populace. and Operationally, we realized that there is an importance and a significance to being able to to have conversations with that segment of the population in a deployed status. So male Marines could not do that, and hence the female engagement team provided us that opportunity. So I did not realize it. I was doing uh, and implementing an aspect of WPS at that time. But long story short, very successful use and in, in the FET team aspect and the combat operations, I think it really enhanced and augmented our capabilities as a company and, and the fight at that point in time. So how did I come about to, to get in, involved with WPS? When, when I came here to the Krulak Center, uh, the opportunity came to be involved a little bit more intrinsically with WPS efforts, and I raised my hand. Again, my perspective and the value that I had as a company commander from the the FET team at that time leads me to believe that there is uh, significant contributions and augmentation that can be done operationally. So when we broaden our our, our considerations of of what contributions of, of whether it's gender, 
diversity, inclusive leadership, development. It's it's more than just a company commander in the fight. When we consider the, the total force and what WPS really seeks to achieve, it involves many things that involve recruiting and retention, protection of civilians in, in a combat or conflict scene, protection of children affected by armed conflict, and many other aspects. So it's not just like Dr. McKenzie said, a, a, a women's issue. I think it's a total force issue. And there's a lot of gains that we can have through amplifying and expanding our perspectives in that regard. Great. Thank you. It sounds as though a key to success with this effort is collaboration with a, a enlarged network of individuals. And I know, Dr. McKenzie, that you have been working on establishing a community of interest here at the university and reaching outside of the university to help strengthen some of those networks. So if you, either one of you, both of you can talk about the development of this community of interest, who are the different partners that we're working with, both within the Marine Corps and maybe outside of the Marine Corps, and how they're helping to shape our perspective on this subject. Sure, maybe maybe I'll lead off on this one. So within the Marine Corps University, it's only been since about 2019 that our community of interest took off for women, peace and security. And so from the very beginning, Dr. Johnson, you've been very supportive of our efforts. Uh, I've been working with Dr. Claire Metellitz and Dr. Brad Weinman from here at Command and Staff College. But we also have done our best to you know, reach out beyond the Marine Corps University. We are active contributors to the WPS Academic Forum, uh, which is now led by Colonel Veronica Oswald at Carlisle at the Army War College. And every other month or so, we gather together, uh, those of us who are involved in WPS from across the different PME institutions, and we just you know, talk about what we have going on. We exchange syllabi, we exchange publications. The whole idea is that, yeah, we're better off together and we're better off being transparent. And so We've also worked with um, folks like Dr. Jeanette Haney at RAND, Dr. Kai Hunter at the Air Force Academy, Lieutenant Colonel Nat- uh, Natalie Trogus at National Defense University. I mean, I could go on and on, but we, we try real hard to be deliberate about our collaboration, our transparency, and our acknowledgement that this work is best done as a team, and it can't just be done by women um, in the same way that cancer cannot be most effectively treated only by people with cancer, right? We need a, a diverse network of, of experts and people who are have a, who have a vested interest in, in it to contribute to, you know, to making this effort move forward. So we are, are very lucky to have Lieutenant Colonel Zapata as a lead for this effort because, you know, admittedly it is <laughs> heavily female dominated, but I will say that, you know, we are pleased that with every meeting we have that Lieutenant Colonel Zapata has been leading recently, our participation grows. So I think the word is getting out. I think because it is such a big task that we have ahead of us, you know, many hands make light work. So I'll turn it over to Lieutenant Colonel Zapata to say more about some of our partners. Yeah. So first of all, we we in, in the Marine Corps, or me specifically, uh, with the WPS I have a conduit to, to reach across all major stakeholders across the Marine Corps. So I don't really uh, intend to bug them too much until 
I have something a little bit more substance to be able to convey to them. So principally uh, with the WPS community of interest in and around Quantico area here, that involves folks from MNRA, uh, TCOM, inside of Marine Corps University is, is where a lot of the brainstorming and quite frankly, some of the up to speed and education for me to, to understand a lot of the intricacies and a lot of the factors involved has taken a lot of the uh, upfront time. But as things begin to become more apparent, we are very much looking at aligning uh, USMC WPS efforts with OUSD policy and PNR, as well as the Office of Undersecretary of the Navy. So as we consider the guidance that is growing uh, and getting a little bit more clear, we inside of TCOM and MCU want to take this guidance and work more collectively with, with our stakeholders across the Marine Corps to, to get the ball moving. Great. Thank you both. So what is MCU doing right now to help meet these DOD objectives as it relates to women, peace, and security? We have a lot going on. I will say um, a lot of this began about four years ago when Dr. Johnson, um, your predecessor, Dr. James Anderson, invited me to give a faculty development presentation on WPS again, to all the faculty and, and recognizing that I did not have the uh, necessary expertise or background to do it alone. I invited my colleague from National Defense University, Nayla Arnas, to, to join me. And she did a fantastic job. And she has you know, true expertise in this area. So we sort of tag teamed it. But she started talking about all the different things that were going on at NDU, one of which was a Women, Peace and Security Writing Award. And she talked a little bit about the details. And, and anyway, the presentation I thought went well. After the fact, an instructor from EWS, Major Blake Jackson, approached me because he was then, I believe, vice president of the National Naval Officers Association. And he said, I think we might be able to support it if MCU wants to follow suit and, and put together a WPS writing award. So very organically, this WPS writing award emerged in an effort to recognize and reward and I should say first, attract, recognize, and reward student research and writing on WPS issues and principles. So sort of began then with the writing award. Um, now we have electives taught, especially here at Command and Staff by, by Dr. Claire Metellitz. We have professional enrichment opportunities like doc, by Dr. Tammy Schultz at McWar. Oh, we did a, a faculty development session virtually this year. We had great attendance, uh, I think, as evidence of, of folks' interest around here and learning more about how they can integrate gender perspectives into their teaching. So we've done faculty development. Uh, we are developing a WPS library of resources. So uh, we'll say more about this in a moment, but we're hoping to hire a WPS SME, a subject matter expert. But uh, one other thing that I will say this past year, which has been really exciting, is that we are able to formalize, with your support, Dr. Johnson, we're able to, to formalize our WPS community of interest via a WPS charter. So it sort of made official a WPS committee that when our annual, say, data call comes around, that the university knows who their touch points are and, and their reachback are for compiling the educational interventions that we've offered throughout the year that are related to WPS. So those are the major things that we're doing now. Again, faculty development, specific educational interventions in terms of electives, core classes, 
right now there's a big exercise going on at command and staff, for instance, where we have some, we have a gender advisor who's uh, playing a a main role and we have uh, gender injects into this exercise. Um, So that's pretty exciting as well. We have our WPS writing award. So we're doing our best again, a lot of it's come up organically, but slowly but surely we are making progress towards achieving our goals here. But I'll turn it over to Lieutenant Colonel Cepeda if he wants to add anything else to that. Yes. So I, I think the only thing that, that I would add is a WPS website that, that we've created. And I think it's a big milestone for us because some of the things that we have considered inside of our community of interest here is uh, how to get the word out. And uh, I, I think that's a very important thing to capture. And I can certainly provide the the website unum.com nsin.us forward slash women dash peace dash security. If you go to that website, it's it's very nascent at this moment. It's It's been live for about a, almost a month now, but it is growing. Uh, we intend to compile all the policies, maybe some PowerPoint presentations on WPS issues. So what we want to be able to do is for for this to become a one-stop shop, so to speak, on all the resources, whether it's policy, whether it's PME or quick uh, HIPAA classes, uh, we want to be able to provide this not only for the Marine Corps, but whoever else is interested in in WPS to have the readily available resources. And and I think that really helps us uh, get the word out and provide the tools for for folks that are uh, in need of those tools to to help out in, in this endeavor. Great. And we'll put the link to the landing website in our show notes. So listeners, if you didn't catch that when Lieutenant Colonel Zapato was was reading that website out, check on iTunes and, and we'll have that for you. So Manny, let me ask you, this seems like a, a large, ambitious effort. Are there obstacles? I know this is early days, and so we might still be scoping what it is that we need to do to implement the law. But But what are you seeing as some of the challenges within the Marine Corps? If I could capture it succinctly, Dr. McKenzie slightly mentioned it is is the the policies and everything else that has been done or implemented up to this date have taken DPPS and put it in the light of an outward facing aspect, whether it's security cooperation or or other things that are outside of of the U.S. And I think that's part of the the bigger challenge is that uh, folks just don't fully recognize and realize that WPS is a little bit more than just a network uh, facing thing. It is, is is a broader broader issue that, as I mentioned before, is, is a total force issue. So part of that is just uh, having the information and, and people become aware. Uh, I think it's a, it's a major challenge right now. I, I think if Things got started with the outward facing aspect of WPS. That's probably what's ingrained in many people's minds. But informing folks and across the Marine Corps and everywhere else that WPS relates to the things we are doing inside of uh, the, the U.S., inside of the Marine Corps before a deployed setting is, I think, that the major challenge. And, and we seek to inform folks uh, as best we can, whether it's through the uh, website that I just discussed or being able to relay and share information as we expand our network. 
Yeah, I think that communication piece is going to be critical. Anytime you try to to initiate large scale change like this, everyone comes with their preconceptions, good, bad, or indifferent, but everybody has an idea in their head about what something is. So you say women, peace, and security, and people's initial reaction will be conditioned by what they've seen in the past. You had mentioned the FETs before, and so it's easy for Marines to think women, peace, and security. I'm talking about women in combat zones as innocent parties and and their small children and how we would protect them and maybe empower them through a political process somewhere else. But what I hear you saying, and certainly what we see in the legislation and the DOD uh, work in this effort, is that we are, as you had mentioned, talking about recruitment within the service. We're talking about retention practices. We're talking about a total force question but that's not where our minds originally go, right? And so I think you're absolutely right. This persistent, clear communication in terms of what WPS is and the scope of the initiative will be critical to people beginning to key into some of the changes that might have to happen institutionally within the Marine Corps and potentially culturally within the Marine Corps. Yeah, that that's absolutely correct. I think there's a lot of folks, I think, between Dr. McKenzie and I, everybody that we interact and interface, there's a very strong support of, of doing the right things for, for the Marines, for the Marine Corps, for the country. And it really just comes down to, to folks not being fully informed of everything that's involved. And there's a lot of folks that are very supportive and have good intentions. And, and it's part of our job. Uh, we feel that we just have to inform people properly so that they have the broad perspective in mind going forward as they seek to be supportive. Great. Well, as we move forward, we're about to graduate. Expeditionary Warfare School has already graduated for the year. The the larger Marine Corps University graduation will happen in less than a month. Uh, So Dr. McKenzie, what are you guys planning for the new academic year, which will be here in about 60 plus days. <laughs> right. Don't blink or you'll miss it, right? I know. So. Our, our compressed summer vacation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, we're really pleased that Congress has allocated funds to support this effort. So it's no longer just talk, right? And it's no longer just a nice to have. It's a requirement with the resources to back up that requirement, which again, we're, we're very pleased about. So Lieutenant Colonel Zapeda put together a request for money uh, towards WPS SMEs, subject matter experts, who are really going to help us up our game. So we're making great progress. We hope to hire a couple of these SMEs, one part-time, one full-time, if all goes well. Uh, we're already doing a lot of the things that we think we should be doing. And we think we're doing them fairly well. But again, to help us up our game, to really get an expert in here, to make sure that we are including the most up-to-date research and publications, um, to help us develop this WPS library of resources electronic and some hard copies. We have some great real estate that Mr. Greg Cena has allocated for us at the Gray Research Center here at Marine Corps University. So this will be both sort of a hard copy and a soft copy version of, of resources. We really also would love some support envisioning and integrating WPS into wargaming. We've done it in exercises, and, and it's a great start last year and this year, but we, we want to make sure that we are doing the best we can in that effort because it's so important uh, for the, the students here. And then in in a perfect world, again, we'd have not just one, but two electives. We'd have more faculty development offerings. We'd have film screenings. 
and we'd have more mentors, right, for students who want to research and write about WPS principles in their year-long research papers. So uh, those are just a few things. We will continue our WPS Writing Award. And the one new thing that I am going to do my best to get started next year is to actually get every single PME schoolhouse that has a WPS writing award, we will all have our winners compete with each other to have a best of the best, right? A joint WPS writing award, which I think, and if I could be so bold, I may ask MCU Press if they might like to <laughs> offer a special issue with some of our top papers. That's something I uh, we have in the works. And it was a great idea brought up by, by you, Dr. Johnson, at, at one of our meetings a month or so ago. So I'd love to make that idea a reality. But that's just a, just a small sampling of some of the things that we have in store. So thanks for asking. And, and there's another item that's it's still cooking in the oven right now, if I can say, is, is we've been uh, having conversations for a WPS scholars program in, inside of the Crelac Center. We have scholars programs that that focus on whether it's future warfare, mosaic warfare, different topics. And this year we are considering including a WPS scholars to, to really help us get after not only spreading the word, but also uh, facilitate some additional research that that uh, highlights uh, things that that uh, are important for consideration in, in this effort. That all sounds great, and it, I, I mentioned communication a couple of minutes ago, but but also this idea of you put smart people together who are thinking about a topic as important as this, and you incentivize important deep thinking research in this particular area and then share that information, that research widely. That's incredibly important uh, and incredibly way to support the initiative. So I'm excited to hear about all of these. I look forward to, to seeing what we do in the next year. So Lieutenant Colonel Zapata, you've already spoken about the website, which is hosted on the landing. Where else can people go if they want to learn more about the broad DOD effort or about what the Marine Corps is doing or just generally this topic of women, peace, and security, what it is and, and what it might mean for them? Yes. So, so I think um, in, in, I guess, a more condensed fashion, there's folks like Dr. McKenzie here that we have uh, as, as resident faculty and staff that have quite a bit of experience, uh, Dr. Matt Litz, and, and, and the community of interest that we have in and around Quantico. I think all of those are top-notch individuals that have a very broad background. So, that would be in addition to the landing. Uh, again, uh, with the landing, our, our intention is to put policies in and whether it's articles, relevant articles, and and, and we want that to be a, a very good resource. But if there's additional need and want for topic discussions on, on any nuances, I would say, you know, when we get the two SMEs hired here and also some of the, the resident uh, experts that we have aboard here, uh, certainly uh, we'd be glad to help because I think it just helps us communicate and inform people. And if I could add to that, there's two specific websites I'd recommend. And of course, I'll share these with you, Dr. Johnson, so you can put them in the podcast notes. But the first is if for folks are really interested in like, what is a gender analysis and what does a gender perspective bring to operational effectiveness? I'd highly recommend the Johns Hopkins website. I'll share that with you. Uh, but it's really um, straightforward. It's it's sophisticated in the sense that, of course, it's backed by decades of research. But the website is really clearly laid out and, and what a gender analysis 
has the potential to do. Another website I'd recommend that I alluded to earlier, it's Valerie Hudson's Woman Stats Project, and that's woman with an A-N, womanstats.org. In her research, again, it's it's been going on decades, but she's probably the leading scholar who has advocated now for years and years that the status of women is directly connected to the status of nations, right? So she says that, right, if we can look at indicators like how a nation treats its women in terms of um, is polygamy permitted? Is female infanticide common? Um, what are the bride prices or, or dowries like? Uh, is female genital mutilation a common practice? That the, Some of these things can be sirens or they can be indicators of, of trouble or of insecurity in nation states. And so her website has thousands and thousands of data points and data sets that illustrate this. If you really need, listeners, hardcore empirical evidence about the connection between the security of women and the security of states, this is the place to go. Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So final question to each of you does not have to be related to WPS, but what are you reading right now that our listeners should know about? There is a ton of stuff out there on WPS, so I, I will not go down that road. But one book that I'm rereading uh, is called The Futures Faster Than You Think by author Diamandis and Cutler. It really paints a, a good picture of what we can expect inside of technology and the impacts of that technology in, in our lives. And it's going to affect just about everything. So I'm rereading it because you start seeing whether it's 5G or electric vehicles and, and different things going on. So it's something, I guess, in my mind, a snapshot and preview of things to come within 10 years. Great. Thanks, Manny. Lauren? So I guess the last thing I'll say, a book that I've been reading, and yes, it doesn't have anything to do with WPS, uh, but for the past couple months, it's been taking me a while to get through it. I've been reading the book Reclaiming Conversation by Sherry Turkle at MIT. And I was drawn to it after spending the past year and then some staring at a screen and wondering how that would affect face-to-face communication skills. Now, of course, not just my own, which it has, but, but everyone's, right? And so in her book, she explains how it is that many of us are just so depleted and disconnected in such an overconnected world. And she offers conversation as a cure. Um, she talks about... I guess what's at stake when we increasingly turn to our phones instead of each other, right? And and how the quote unquote smartphone has struck some of us somewhat dumb or at least mute, she says. And I guess I'll just close with, um, because I know I'm uh, sitting beside two of you that that also have young children. Her advice for families uh, is no phones in the kitchen, bedroom, or car, uh, which she says are three of the places most likely to have the kinds of real conversations that shouldn't be replaced with texts or smartphones. Uh, So great book, and I highly recommend it. Awesome. Thank you so much. So Dr. McKenzie, Lieutenant Colonel Zepeda, thank you so much for coming on the show. To keep up with the good work of Marine Corps University, Follow us on social media at at Marine Corps U. Special thanks to our intrepid producer, Jen Patya Howell, and to our show manager, Captain Michael Goff. I'm your host, Becky Johnson. Thank you for listening to Eagles, Globes, and Anchors, the strategically minded, innovative podcast of Marine Corps University.